BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank. Be bold. Venture wisely. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Alexis Madrigal. In San Francisco, we're not a sports-only town. It's not Buffalo. But the 49ers are playing in the Super Bowl this weekend. Our second appearance in football's biggest game in the last five years. And our opponent will be the same as last time, the Kansas City Chiefs and their spectacular quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, who's kind of the Steph Curry of football. There's a lot of off-the-field action around the game, too, along with a lot of commentary about the grass at the 49ers Las Vegas facility. There's also the impending implosion of patriarchal America as they're forced to root for the San Francisco team so they can root against Taylor Swift. The world is weird. It's Friday. Let's talk about the Super Bowl after this news. Welcome to Super Bowl Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Unlike 95.7 The Game, we here at KQED are more the pregame and the postgame and also the cultural analysis of the game, perhaps with a solid historical perspective and an equity lens. I think I'm kidding, sort of. Uh, I know some of us are hardcore Niners fans, and I grew up rooting for a strange combination of the Rams, the Raiders, and the Niners. Jerry Rice was probably the first person I loved in the Bay Area. Last game, apparently the whole country was rooting against us and for the Lions. This game, apparently everyone is rooting for us and against the villainous and tainted Kansas City Chiefs. Betters have the game almost even. Our Niners are two-point favorites. But let's hear from you all, too. What's a Super Bowl mean to you for the 49ers? Where are you going to watch? What weird superstition of yours has been secretly carrying the 49ers through these games? You can email forum at kqed.org. You can find us on all the social channels, KQED Forum. Give us a call, 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Here to talk with us about how Christian McCaffrey can be so good, the legend of Brock Purdy, and whether Travis Kelsey is a Democrat Party plant as he teams up with Taylor Swift to become what Breitbart termed a leftist power couple. We're joined first by Ann Killian, sports columnist for the San Francisco Chronicle. Welcome, Ann. Thanks for We're also joined by Joel Anderson, a staff writer at Slate, where he also hosts the Slow Burn and Hang Up and Listen podcast, former reporter on sports, culture, and politics for ESPN and BuzzFeed, also relevant to the show, a former college football player. Uh, Welcome, Joel. Hey, thanks for having me on, Alexis. 
So we've talked before on Forum about our conflicted relationship with football, Joel. I mean, where are you at with football this year, and how do you feel going into the weekend extravaganza? Well, I mean, it's obviously, um, I mean, you have to make these sort of compromises if you're going to be a football fan. You have to sort of set aside uh, the concerns about concussion settlements and injuries and, you know, DeMar Hamlin and, you know, whether or not, um, you know, the, yeah. NFL, the NFL is living up to its promises with the Rooney rule. Um, it's just, I mean, this is a national celebration. And in fact, I often kind of call this weekend sort of our second July 4th weekend. <laughs> uh, no, it's just a, it's a real celebration of Americana, right? Um, and so I think you, even if you resist football in any mm-hmm. sort of way, it's almost it's 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 you, it, the lure. It brings you back this weekend. It's almost irresistible. So Man, yeah, I'm going to be so watching. True. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Me too. Me too. Um, and you're down in Las Vegas, and from what I understand, you've been there for too long already. <laughs> What's it like? Um, and have you figured out who's going to win by uh, how many fans are wearing jerseys of different teams along the strip? Um, you know, that's not a very scientific way to figure out who's going to win. Yeah, I've been in Las Vegas um, for about a year and a half so far. Um, it, I got here, I was supposed to get here Sunday night, but because of the weather, I got here Monday morning um, having to spend the night at SFO. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's cr- for, for old timers like me, it's crazy that we have a, a Super Bowl in Las Vegas because for so many years, you couldn't even like say the word you know, Las Vegas around the NFL without them slapping a fine on you. I mean, they were so scared of the gambling situation. And now to see the league just, you know, like rolling in the mud here is just kind of crazy. And it's, you know, a city of excess and there's nothing that's more excessive than the Super Bowl. So (laughs) it's kind of a a great marriage. Um, There are far more 49er fans here than Kansas City Chiefs fans, but that's not surprising given proximity given the way 49er fans travel these days i mean they're one of the really strong traveling fan bases um given that they were early favorites in the year and probably people planned this trip because Mm. it was you know it's cheap and easy to get to las vegas from the bay area so there's a lot of 49er fans here um that does not mean the 49ers will win this game um so and have you uh stood up on any tables and like led a 49ers chant or anything uh, you know, I know you'll be shocked by this, but sports reporters are not fans. If they if they are fans, they should get out of the business. So. I know, I know. I'm just asking. No, All right. I have not. Uh, let me uh, let's bring in a super fan. We have Ryan in Danville. Welcome, Ryan. Hello. How's it going? Hey, good, good. Okay, what is your plan? You are a super fan. What are you going to do for the Super Bowl? I'm getting in a car, meeting a friend in Manteca, driving to Manteca, and then we're both driving out to the game. Um, we're not going, but we're just going for the scene out in Las Vegas, and we're just hoping that our team wins. You're not even going to try and buy like a scalp ticket and and get in. I'm a I'm a season ticket holder, and it you know six thousand was the offer that I got, and the wife was not going to let it let that happen, so. You know, she she was kind enough to let me just go out there and support the team in any way I find. And hopefully we just, you know, it's one big giant celebration as we march down the strip with uh, our sixth Super Bowl title. (laughs) Um, Are you how has it been as a as a 49er fan? You know, it's been almost 30 years since we won a Super Bowl. Um, I mean, has it has this year felt like the year to you? 
You know, 29 years ago was Super Bowl 29, so that would equal 58. This is Super Bowl 58, so it seems like this is perfect <laughs> symmetry. It has been a long, long time. Trust me, there's been uh, a lot of fumbles that have lost us to Super Bowl. There are opportunities. Just, just, I mean, there's been a lot of heartache for this team since 1994. So I've lived through it. I've been, you know, unfortunately, I've been waking up listening to, to Ann Killian on, on different podcasts and stuff like that at 3 o'clock in the morning. My wife thinks I'm crazy. The kids think I'm crazy. But, you know, we get this done and I get my life back. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I have to say at the end of a of a long warrior season, even one that's really good, you're like, man, I've spent a lot of time doing this. I think it might be good to have have uh, a normal Sunday, perhaps. Um, and I think your sports fan numerology is absolutely incontrovertible. 29 plus 29 equals 58 equals 49ers win. That makes total sense to me. Um, have a good time out there, Ryan. Um, do you know where you're going to go yet? You. Is there like a known Niners bar in uh, in Las Vegas that people are gathering at? No, we, we, we got a all all you can eat, all you can drink table at a place called the Fountain Blue. So we're we're just gonna just hope and pray that this gets done and then we'll parade down the streets of Sin City. Yes. I'm uh I'm rooting for you, Ryan. I'm rooting for you specifically. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Um let's talk a little bit about the the kind of big storylines coming in. Um, and I, I think the, the biggest one is Brock Purdy, right? Kind of classic underdog story, drafted last pick in the entire draft, even when the 49ers had Trey Lance, the number three pick, had Jimmy Garoppolo, and this guy becomes kind of the leader of this team. Yeah, he's he's definitely a huge story, and I I spent um, Monday night at Media Night, which is just a full-blown circus, kind of just hanging by his podium for an hour because every player was required to stay on, stay out there and talk to the media for an hour and just to see how Brock would handle it. And he mm -hmm. handled it the way he handles everything, you know, just like a veteran, like he's, he's experienced it before with, you know, a sense of humor and, and, you know, pretty low key delivery of, of stuff. He's, he's amazingly um, calm in the situation, but, when he gets, I mean, we don't know how he'll react on the field. There's nothing like a Super Bowl. I mean, an NFC championship game is not a Super Bowl. <laughs> if they were at home. There's no like prolonged halftime. There's no giant, you know, show beforehand. Like uh, the the Super Bowl is just not like a football game, mm -hmm. any other football game. So it it can really rattle people. And I got to say, I went back and, and watched um, the last Super Bowl uh, and was surprised by how rattled Patrick Mahomes looked for the first three quarters. Mm -hmm. And even the commentators of that game were saying, you know, he's a young guy. He's he was 24 also. Um he, you know, this is his first Super Bowl. He, you know, he he threw a couple interceptions. And so he he looked rattled until of course he didn't and scored 21 in unanswered points to beat the 49ers. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I, I think, you know, I think we're really going to see, but it is right now the Brock Purdy story is an absolute fairy tale. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Joel, I mean, there is a certain kind of NFL quarterback that just embodies the Cinderella story so perfectly. The the guy I think that was like the, at least in my football watching years, Kurt Warner, right? <laughs> like mm, oh, bagging yeah. groceries to the best quarterback in the NFL. Um, what do you think about that kind of the lore of this kind of quarterback? 
Well, I mean, I think it's easy for people to rally around a guy like that, right? Um, you know, he comes into the league as the, I mean, the actual last player drafted in the NFL draft that year. Yeah, you get the label Mr. Irrelevant. And so people, you know, there's, I mean, obviously people are telling you there's not much hope that you're going to be around here next year, right? Mm -hmm. um, and Brock Purdy, not six foot six. He's not, he's not an imposing uh, athletic figure like a lot of people. He's six foot one, two twenty. If you saw him on the street, you probably wouldn't pick a fight with him. But among NFL players, he's not that <laughs> huge, right? He doesn't have an arm that anybody looks at and says, "Wow, look at him! Look at the ball come off his hand." Um, but I do think that because you know he's succeeded in spite of that, in spite of what we can see the sort of the obvious limitations, but he still thrived in spite of that. And people can can rally around that. They say, "Well, look, this guy's not the best." He's not the fastest, he's not the strongest, he's not the tallest, not the most impressive, but um, he still manages to be effective. And I mean, people can people can rally around that pretty easily. Now, again, I saw Brock Purdy in college. I saw him play three years against my alma mater, TCU. And I never, I mean, there's no way that I would have ever thought this dude would have been in the NFL. In fact, really? there's, a clip, there's a clip from the 2020 game against TCU that is literally labeled TCU scores TD on one of the worst turnovers you'll ever see. It's basically Brock <laughs> Purdy panicking, throwing the ball directly into the arms of a TCU player, uh, and they score on a pick six that way. So I I thought Brock Purdy was, I'm, you know, I'm not going to call him a joke, but I was like, oh, that was a fun college quarterback, but we'll never see that dude again. Um, oh, and certainly not on Sundays. And yeah. I mean, I guess we can all be wrong. I was wrong about Pat Mahomes. I didn't think Pat Mahomes was going to be good either. So, I mean, take that whatever it's worth. Yeah. You know? Perhaps you're not a quarterback's coach. I don't know. Right, know? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, clearly, I can't pick them, but a lot of them can't either, right? I mean, yeah, you know. that's a good point. Yeah. I, See Trey Lance. Um, uh, we're talking about the 49ers going to the Super Bowl this Sunday, joined by Joel Anderson, staff writer at Slate, former reporter on sports, culture, and politics for ESPN and BuzzFeed. We're also joined by Ann Killian, sports columnist at the San Francisco Chronicle, and we're taking some of your calls. Uh, San Francisco 49ers fans, what's the Super Bowl mean to you? Where are you going to watch it? You can email forum at kqed.org. You can call us 866-733-6786. That's right. It's our annual sports show here on Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned. Does your team got enough rings for each finger on one hand? Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall -wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall -wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall -wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking about the 49ers going to Super Bowl 58. 
8 this Sunday. Joined by Joel Anderson, a staff writer at Slate, talked with us on the show before about football, former reporter on sports, culture, politics for ESPN. You might have also heard him on the podcast, Slow Burn and Hang Up and Listen. Also joined by Ann Killian, sports columnist with the San Francisco Chronicle. Want to add another voice into our conversation. Just to represent the other side, we have Paul Nayakatora, who's an announcer with KCUR, which of course is an NPR affiliate there in Kansas City, and a lifelong Chiefs fan. Welcome, Paul. What's up? What's good? How are you feeling? How are you feeling? You feel confident about the game? Oh, first, before we get to that, um, Joel, Slow Burn is amazing. I love (laughs) that podcast. Thank you uh, so much. Appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm feeling really good. It's 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 um it's an electric time in the city. It's it's <laughs> I mean Like is it taking over Kansas last... City? Is it like that? Oh god, you ha- <laughs> There's there's no way to really describe it. It's um we are what I've been like saying in my head lately is that um that old adage of you either die the hero or live to see yourself become the villain. And we're in our villain era, and I cannot get enough of it. <laughs> I mean, and that has essentially happened just because the Chiefs have been too good for too long. It's like what happened with the Warriors, right? That's kind of the thing. Yeah, but but also like with the Warriors, it's just so much fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Mahomes is an amazing quarterback to watch. No look passes? Come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so why do you love the Chiefs? Like, how far back does this go? Oh, childhood. And who was your favorite childhood chief? Uh, I mean, the big the big standout as a kid was Derek Thomas. And so if you want to do some numerology, he was 58. This is Super Bowl 58. You might have to do it for my guy. <laughs> and um, what is your number one chief's memory? Um, I mean, I love just screaming at the TV every <laughs> Sunday. So that I'm, it's, oh, I, I, there's so many. Yeah. Um, being in the stadium, I was I was in the stadium for um, the comeback over the Texans in the divisional. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Joel. Oh, yeah, I remember that. I remember watching that game in a hotel room. I was and, like, I but... go ahead. No, I was gonna say it was. I mean, it was. It, it actually seemed inevitable, though. I mean, first of all, if you're a Houston football fan, and a lot of people probably don't remember the Oilers because I mean they haven't been around and almost 30 years at this point. And so they lost, you know, they lost a 28 point, I'm sorry, 32 point lead to Buffalo in 1993. So I remember that. Game. When, right, right. And so when they get, so when the Texans got up on the Chiefs, like it felt, it felt good. It's like, okay, we're off to a good start. But there was never a moment where you thought, oh, they're going to be able to hold Pat Mahomes down. And and, that's, and this is the Tyreek Hill era Chiefs, right? This is mm-hmm. not the Chiefs of, today, of today's uh uh, mold. So, I mean, it was inevitable that they were going to come back, even as it was happening. But it's still like, come on, man. Like, why, why allow Houston to suffer through this sort of uh, embarrassment? <laughs> but that's yet again, what you're describing is exactly how it felt in the stadium. There was no, like, when we got to the third quarter, there was no ever sense of anybody feeling down. We were just mm-hmm. like, we just haven't performed yet. It's going to happen. And it happened. Yeah. Um, I do have one really favorite um, chief who was Christian Okoye. I don't know if you remember. Oh, oh, I have a signed Christian. I have a signed Christian Okoye jersey. Oh, oh man, that guy! I I don't know why I loved him so much, but I remember as a kid watching football, just thinking Tecmo like, Bowl. Yeah, maybe that was yeah. it. Maybe that was it. It probably is. Um, so last time um, the Chiefs and the Niners played, there was a little bet 
between uh, KCUR <laughs> and KQED. I just want to play a little cut of our guest, Paul Nayakatura, on KCUR. We go to the San Francisco Bay Area for the latest from KQED, member station in San Francisco, and total loser of the Super Bowl. <laughs> KCUR supported by... Paul! Paul! Um, I couldn't tell if that was scripted or if you just couldn't help yourself. You were I just coming along. <laughs> Um, we also have a bet going on. Do you do you know the terms of the bet this time around? I do, and it's corny. That's great. Well, that these have to be corny. Um, we are because right. We're going to send you what? We're going to send you sourdough. Is that what it Sour, is? Really? Like we're sending barbecue if we lose. Like sourdough. Like you're sending. I I have to make sandwiches. Like that's a t you're sending me a task. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we could. We, you're right. We probably should have sent you like a little, a little food packet from the ferry building. You know, we probably should have sent you. We've gone really over the top. We could have sent you a fancy olive oil, uh, something like that. <laughs> uh, and my understanding was you weren't actually going to send barbecue. I thought, which that seemed generous. I heard it was just going to be barbecue sauce. Is that true? Oh, yeah, oh, that, that uh, the details of that yeah. probably. Yeah, that sounds more feasible. Yeah. in in our budget. Um, <laughs> So last thing, um, as we uh, transition a little bit to talking about the biggest off the field story, what do you think people in Kansas City think of Taylor Swift? Oh, it's we're, we're split down the middle. Really? Yeah. Um, I did wonder. I've been wondering. Like, yeah. because, okay, well, well, I'll go out and say it. Football is a toxic masculinity place, and um, those, those aren't um, Swifties. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, so, but for me, again, we're in my villain era, so I I am embracing. You've it. been I, enjoying the. I've, I've yeah. been enjoying because so like our Facebook statuses are split down the middle with whenever Travis Kelsey does something, they put her on camera, and people here get mad about it. Like so they, they post Facebook statuses like, why do they have to keep showing her? And I'm like, this is hilarious. So the strange. biggest pop star in the world is is, yeah. <laughs> is right here in our stadium and cheering. For and us. people are mad. It's and so people are mad. <laughs> yeah. uh, and Killian, I mean, you wrote a column about this. I mean, what, what did you make of it? Um, well, I'm I'm a I think it's fantastic. And I think it's also, you know, ridiculous. Um, these people who are <laughs> so mad and are sure that this is a, you know, a a uh, democratic plant and a, and a pretend story are now going to root for the 49ers like that's the most absurd thing I've, I've ever heard um you know usually when you say the words nfl and women together you get um you know as as your guest just said toxic masculinity you know you think about um ray rice in an elevator punching his wife in the face or you think about grossly pink you know nfl gear or you you think about their phony, you know, lip service they pay to to breast cancer awareness month or, you know, you, it's not usually a good thing. And Taylor Swift has brought all these women into the game who are now like, you know, Swifties are really smart. They create wonderful social media content. And to, you know, like everyone with half a brain says, what could possibly be negative about this impact? Right. And I mean, I, talk, I was talking to Steve Young about it, who is also... You know, he's doing a lot for <clears throat> girls in football because his uh, his daughters play flag football. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about, like, how great it is. And just as a as a player, he said it looked like 
to him, like it was a big distraction for a while there as the Chiefs were kind of stumbling. But he thinks that now it's like their superpower and it's a distraction that everyone else has mm. to deal with. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I think it's going to be super fun when she flies in from Tokyo and everyone loses their mind. It's going to be fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. Um, we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit more about this on the local, but first I want to bring in um, David in Roseville who wants to talk about Brock Purdy. Welcome, David. Hello, how are you, sir? Hey, doing well. Thanks for calling. Uh, and, and you know, I appreciate you guys taking my call. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, Brock Purdy's success is the fact that he got to start four years at Iowa State, mm -hmm. and you, know, you put. 48 or 50 games together, and you're going to learn stuff. Yeah. You're going to. And I think that even though he might have made the mistake at TCU, <laughs> it doesn't matter. He learns some stuff. And you look at a lot of courts like, like Trey Lance or Colin Kaepernick, they didn't get to start for four years. Yeah. They didn't start that long. You know, it's experience and training that gets you to the point. And I believe that's part of the success. And I, your, your caller, Aunt, hi, Aunt, and thank you for listening to me. Yeah. Thanks, David. Appreciate it. Um, I have something to add to that. If yeah, you want. yeah, yeah. Go ahead. About Brock, because a lot of people, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why you would not watch Iowa State football. I mean, if you live on the West Coast. But um, Iowa State is one of the losingest programs in college football history like over the over the course of time like if you go mm -hmm. back to 100 years or whatever like this is not a powerhouse but under Brock Purdy they were legitimately a conference title contender this is one of the best stretches they've ever had um in in, in modern history when he was their quarterback so I mean that is something that people should take away from it is that you know what you're right like he got a lot of snaps and he improved a program and helped them to overperform in the way that they never had before I mean Iowa State is a college football program that has never had a 10 win season. And I don't know how to explain how crazy that is to you. Yeah. Like every school that you that's that you think is sorry up and down the West Coast, they've had a 10 win season. <laughs> Iowa State hasn't. Uh, but Brock Purdy was able to elevate them. And that that does say something about him and his uh and his talent. Yeah. I, so sure. I do, you know, the the players, you know, like uh, Steph Curry, I think, has been, you know, from from another sport, but has also kind of been underestimated as a great player because, yeah, just physically he's not LeBron. Right. And right. like and I think it's strange how the look of somebody just kind of shows how how much what if somebody looks like the athlete you expect them to be, um, you you kind of think they're better, you know, and um, it's, it's it's fascinating, been fascinating to watch with Purdy. Um, we have another uh, voice to add in here. Nisa Khan is audience engagement reporter at KQED. She also is the station's resident Swifty. Welcome, Nisa. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> so you did like a uh, serious investigation into how <laughs> San Francisco 49ers fans who are also Swifties, their allegiance is split. What'd you find out? Well, I think everyone will be glad to know that they really leaned towards the 49ers. Everyone's very loyal <laughs> to the Bay Area. I think that's probably the safest answer. But yeah, that's what everyone's saying. But like, they're still repping Taylor Swift. A lot of um, fans, um, some fans told me that they're going to be wearing like friendship bracelets, which is a big Taylor Swift tradition. One person's going to be wearing a sparkly jacket that says, in my 49ers era, which is referencing her <laughs> concert. So 
Swift will be in their minds, but their hearts belong to the Bay Area. Well, you know, part of it is too, right? Taylor Swift's sad songs are also good. So, you know, you if he loses, that's also fine, you know? <laughs> Just turn that into art, right? I mean, that's that's fine. Um, what do you what did people say about what they thought about this kind of strange controversy that has developed around this? Yeah, I think people were the New York Times actually did like a straight up like data analysis of how many times like she showed in the game and it's really only like 30 seconds and like kind of like a three hour long game so she's actually not on the screen that much so one person was just like yeah I think a lot of discussions happening like on social media and people reacting kind of angrily to that but when in the actual game she's actually not on the screen um and that is like through data so yeah um people are surprised yeah I mean my theory of the case here is basically that Taylor Swift generates engagement. And so if you you kind of need people who are posting about Taylor Swift and the the, the main sports topic of the day get a lot of engagement on their stuff on, on social media. And so they kind of just have to. People have to. They are drawn by the kind of the way the platforms have designed these interactions to just keep posting about her. And if you're, you know, in the mega land fever swamps, you have to say something negative because she's like a notoriously liberal person in that world, right? And I think, like, it worked on me because, like, I started paying attention to more to um, the Kelsey brothers. I saw the Kelsey documentary, and I'm actually quite touched by their family. And also <laughs> taught, taught me about, like, the drama sports. So, like, it worked on me, too. I started paying attention a lot more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Joel, as a fellow podcaster, um, how do you evaluate the Kelsey brothers podcast? Oh, I mean, I think it's pretty fun for that genre, right? I mean, there's... I mean, it's actually really hard to keep up with the number of athletes who have podcasts. Like, I, like, <laughs> like Jalen Brunson and Josh Hart of the Knicks had one. I was like, what? They got one, too? So, um, but I mean, they're very, I think the, the thing about it is that you can tell that it's very real, that it's them having a conversation. I mean, there was an episode where Travis Kelsey was getting on Jason Kelsey's nerve after a loss and Jason just like walks off the set, right? And <laughs> that's not something that typically happens at a professional podcasting outfit, but it just shows you that like they're being real with each other and they're really tapping into the things that make people want to see like, what are these brothers like? Um, you know, what are they like when they're together? And it was like a very little brother, big brother sort of situation there. So, yeah. I mean, they're okay. I don't, I'm not saying I, go, I turn to them every time I want to get, get my football breakdowns, but uh, <laughs> as a change of pace, it's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Okay, returning to the game, Paul Nakatora, I want to bring you back in uh, for this. What, who are you watching on the field? Like, what are you watching as a Chiefs fan where you're like, if this is going well, this game is going well. Like, I feel like most people have that, that barometer for their team. Isaiah Pacheco. Mm. Easy. Yeah, tell us more about him. Um, he runs like a crazy person. I, I don't know if you've watched the Chiefs game. Uh, he he, it's it's like reckless abandon. It's, he he doesn't he doesn't care about anything or any. I don't think he cares about himself. Uh, <laughs> this man runs like a wild person, and it's and when hit when his game is when his game is going, then then that just opens up the passing game and. Then we're downfield. Yeah. Well, and, Paul, you know what? I can, I'll just say it. If you strip the racist caricature from it, Isaiah Pacheco runs like Speedy Gonzalez. Like feet, like, like if you look at his <laughs> body, the way that his feet turn over. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you a look him up on. You're on, absolutely on right. Yes. <laughs> well, and on the, the defensive side and Killian, that is a, a thing that I think Niners fans are watching out for, right? Can the run defense uh, hold up better than it has at times? Yeah, the run defense has been absolutely terrible the last two games. So um, Pacheco is my uh, – we had to answer some 
round, you know, round table questions. And Pacheco was the guy I picked as the one who could be the difference maker in, in the game, just because the 49ers defense has been shockingly gashed by the run in the last two playoff games. Um, the 49ers haven't really come into this game on a, on a roll, whereas Kansas City just went through, you know, a real brutal playoff, the hardest they've ever had, having to win on the road. And and so they're the they're the team that's firing on all cylinders coming into this game. Yeah. I mean, on the other hand, don't you think that NFC championship comeback against the Lions, which was just so wild? I mean, that's gotta give a team a little momentum going into the Super Bowl, no? I th- I think it does. Um, you know, the 49ers have been front runners all season and they didn't have a signature comeback like that. But Andy Reid is not going to be as ridiculous as Dan Campbell was. I mean, Dan Campbell basically gift-wrapped that game for the 49ers. So I think that, um, you know, now they're going up against arguably the best coach in the NFL. So, uh, yeah, it's, 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 a tough, it's a tough matchup for sure. Yeah. Um, Paul, before we let you go and, and slide into our break, one listener tweets, I watch the NFL all season long, but I purposely don't watch the Niner games to allow them to win. <laughs> I won't be watching <laughs> the Super Bowl this Sunday. Do you have a signature superstition there in Kansas City? Um, I, I don't believe so. Not I, like a chair I, I, or I, a bar or a particular morning routine? Oh, uh, no, no, I don't, I don't have any superstitions like that. I just... um. I try not to talk too much trash before a game. <laughs> I'll talk trash, mad trash after a game, but, <laughs> but I, I try to keep it chill before a game. Yes. I also love that last time when the 49ers lost to the Chiefs, we sent uh, Paul um, <laughs> and KCUR there in Kansas City. It's it's our you know um, signature ice cream sandwich out here in the Bay. And as I understand it, you ate them all, first of all, <laughs> and, then you, and then you've kept the box and covered it in Chiefs stickers. <laughs> it's my trophy. <laughs> I love it. That's so great. Um, Paul Nyakatora is an announcer, KCUR in Kansas City, and a lifelong Chiefs fan. Thanks so much for joining us, Paul. Oh, thanks for having me. We've also been joined by Nisa Khan, an audience engagement reporter at KQED and our resident Swifty. Thank you so much, Nisa. Thank you so much. We're talking about the 49ers going to Super Bowl 58 this Sunday, joined by Ann Killian, sports columnist at the San Francisco Chronicle, and Joel Anderson, staff writer at Slate. You know we're going out to Taylor Swift, and we'll be back with more right after the break. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. 
Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking Super Bowl. It's our... Sports show. We do these every once in a while. We're joined by Ann Killian, sports columnist at The Chronicle, Joel Anderson, staff writer at Slate, host Slow Burn and Hang Up and Listen podcast, and former reporter of sports culture politics for ESPN, former college football player as well. Earlier, we were joined by Paul Nyakatora, announcer with KCUR, who we have a small bet with here between the NPR affiliates in, here in San Francisco and there uh, in Kansas City. And we're also joined by uh, Nisa Khan, audience engagement reporter. Um, at KQED. We've got somebody driving to the game. Uh, Simon, joining us from the 15 freeway on the way to Vegas. Welcome, Simon. Hey, how's it going? Hey, good, good. Um, What's your plan for the... I mean, obviously your plan is to drive to Vegas. That's a good plan. Good start. Uh, What are you going to do when you get there? Well, the the hope is to uh, score some tickets uh, at face value. Got a couple (laughs) of lines up. Got a couple of lines out with people that I trust. Uh, we'll see if they come through. Yeah. And if it doesn't happen, what are you going to do? If it doesn't happen, uh, I'll end up watching the game. My, my wife and I will end up watching the game uh, with my dad, uh, who lives in Las Vegas. So oh, that's nice. Um, it's a win-win either way. Either we'll be either my wife and I will be there, or I'll be watching it with my pops, and it's a win-win either way. Yeah. Do you, uh, you and your pops watch games going way back? Yeah, all the way back, all the way back. Uh, I was, uh, I've been an Irish fan my entire life. Uh, I grew up in Salinas. Um, well, I grew up in Gonzales, actually. I always mm-hmm. say Salinas. Yeah, yeah. Nobody knows where Gonzales is. <laughs> uh, but uh, I grew up uh, in the Central Coast, a huge 49ers fan. Uh, first football memory that I have uh, dates back to when I was six years old. Uh, Super Bowl Sunday, 1989, uh, 49ers against the Bengals. Oh, yeah. Ah. Uh. That 88, that 88 season is the first season that I remember as a kid. Yeah. yeah. Um, how are you feeling about the game? How are you feeling about what's going to happen on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. I mean, I understand uh, that the Chiefs have a great coach in Andy Reid. They obviously have a tremendous quarterback in Patrick Mahomes. Um, but the 49ers, you know, have a complete team. And... I think my, my thought on the game is, you know, when we played these guys four years ago in the Super Bowl, I think objectively you would say that the Chiefs uh, right now are not as good as they were in 2019. And objectively speaking, I think we're better than – the Niners are better than they were in 2019. So, mm-hmm. you know, I hope, that, I hope that wins out. I hope that plays out in the end. Um, but you always got to be nervous with Patrick Mahomes on the other side. Yeah. Hey, Simon, thank you so much. Enjoy the game. Um, I hope you get tickets, but I'm also rooting for you to watch it with your dad. <laughs> so, yeah, you're right. Uh, I'll be happy out the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. Um, you know, um, Simon mentioned um, the uh, the coaching. We talked about it a little bit. Joel, I there's a, there's a thing that happens around some coaches. It used to be Andy Reid, actually, uh, and now it's around Shanahan, the Niners coach, that they, like, quote-unquote, can't win the big game. Do you think that's a real thing, or do you think that is, like, um, just kind of like the luck of the draw, and it just kind of happens, and then this thing gets attached as kind of a narrative? 
Yeah, I think it's the luck of the draw. Um, I mean, remember, Andy Reid didn't win the big game until he got Pat Mahomes. You know, <laughs> Bill Belichick wasn't a winning head coach until he got Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just I, people seem to forget how hard it is to win Super Bowls. And I think maybe that's because of like the Pat, the Patriots and the Chiefs have been so consistently great over the last 20 years or so that people sort of forget that you can play your whole career and be great and never have a shot at it. Um, mm-hmm. Like you, like players like Barry Sanders, Calvin Johnson, um, you know, Dan Marino, people that, mm-hmm. you know, never really had their shot. So I think that, you know, with Kyle Shanahan, it's if it's it be, being as objective as possible. People have to think that he's one of the four, best, four or five best coaches in the league. And losing on Sunday shouldn't make or break his reputation. Um, you know, is it is there something to say that he has leads in game in, in in those previous Super Bowls and lost them? It's just an indication to me that he suffered from really bad luck and compounded that by playing conservatively. And so, look, he was in the Super Bowl with a lead, and so it just stands the stands the reason that eventually, if he gets enough cracks at it, that eventually they'll break through. And it, it, it may be on Sunday. Yeah. Um. And we have uh, just a great comment. This is this is making me so happy. Steven writes in, I have been a 49ers fan since Y.A. Tittle was quarterback. Oh I my was gosh. a little kid in Berkeley in the <laughs> 1950s with asthma. And Y.A. Wow. Tittle was also an asthmatic. And he was my hero. I have been a 49er fan ever since. I love that Y.A. Tittle had a name like actually an early 20th century book author. <laughs> you know what yes, I mean? Like, <laughs> you're like, oh, yes, I wrote a well-received uh, book of uh, modern verse. Um, oh, no, wait, never mind. He was the uh, Hall of Fame quarterback for the 49ers and also an asthmatic. He has a he has a firm in like downtown San Jose, and it's like if you didn't know that he didn't play football, it just fits in with like a guy who has his name on a building in the downtown. Yeah, one hundred percent. You can get something notarized there, or yeah. <laughs> um, or that yeah, exactly. Um, let's uh, let's bring in another caller. Let's bring in um, Bola in San Jose. Welcome. Hi, how y'all doing? Happy hey. Friday. Hey, happy Friday. Thanks for calling. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh, I'm just. I'm just so excited because you know it's Super Bowl weekend and our yeah. and our boys are playing against. Uh, I guess it's like round two. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's the right, fight, the rematch. Fight, like yeah. round two, yeah, rematch. You know, and um, I've been a Niners fan since I was in diapers, and you can thank my dad for that because he was a huge Montana and Rice fan back when, or as people would say, the glory days of the Niners. You know, and. Um, like that last tweet, the first tweet that said that um that uh, that they said that they were never that they don't perfectly do not oh they don't watch, watch right um, yeah, yeah because they want to see them win. I'm like that too because sometimes when I do watch, sometimes they win, sometimes they lose, and I really did not start watching Niners games until around the time like when Steve Young was playing but was already on his way to retirement uh, and Jerry Rice was also on his way to retirement or going to the Raiders. So, my so you real, took that on. Memory, <laughs> you took it on as your own guilt. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, for me, I really started watching when Alex Smith was kind of a quarterback mm-hmm. and then also then Colin Kaepernick for for which I seriously just I miss him seriously him and Jim Harbaugh when they were together they were like that quarterback and coach for me yeah. I really loved you know Kaepernick and it's kind of like messed up what they did to him but still like honestly I just I really would love um, to see that happen again especially like 
again, when they talk about the defense, defense really needs to like really mm-hmm. be on it yeah. to really like to really get uh, to really like make sure that Pacheco, as they said, as the last person was there, like yeah. that he does not run all over <laughs> us. Not like yeah, yeah run <laughs> all over them. Kind of like uh, with the Arizona Cardinals, Fitzgerald. Because I remember that one Super Bowl against the um, Steelers. How he was just running and no one could catch him. It's like, wow. Yeah. Um, Bola, uh, thanks so much. Um, have a good time not watching the game. <laughs> and uh, and hopefully uh, they'll, they'll pull it out for you. Um, and, you know, I wanted to ask you, we haven't talked about um, Christian McCaffrey. Um, and, I mean, as a season that he's kind of put together, like how would you, how would you kind of rate it among seasons that you've seen as a sports journalist? Um, well, he's pretty amazing. Um, you know, I, my early days of covering the 49ers was Jerry Rice and Joe Montana. Um, so I've seen a lot of greatness in 49er uniforms and he's definitely up there in terms of being the best at his position and one of the best players in the game. Um, and I definitely think, you know, talking about what, how these teams compare to the versions of them before, this is a better 49er team, um, at least on offense, and mostly because of Christian McCaffrey. I mean, back with the last time they were in the Super Bowl, you know, Raheem Mostert had a nice season, and but they were, you know, Kyle Shanahan was kind of, he had Jeff Wilson Jr. I mean, it, it was a three-headed running back, and mm-hmm. it was just, it was a different situation. And now he's got the best, the, the coach who loves to utilize the running back as the best running back in the game. So I think if the 49ers win, it will be because of a heavy, heavy dose of Christian McCaffrey. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Joel Anderson, where do you think McCaffrey ranks kind of all-time in running backs? Uh, well, that's a tough question. I mean, probably not anywhere in the top 20 right now, right? But I mean, there's still a chance. He has a lot of his career Ahead, And I think the more important thing is for Christian McCaffrey is that in recent years, for totally empirical and understandable reasons, the value of running backs has been questioned. Like they don't Mm -hmm. get drafted in the first round nearly as much and people don't want to expend a lot of uh, draft or or player capital on them. Right. But Christian McCaffrey, in a lot of ways, has been like the perfect rebuttal to that argument. Like you like and said, the the 49ers are clearly a better offense because of him. NFL teams can see when you have somebody who is as versatile, as tough, and as reliable as Christian McCaffrey, it can really elevate your offense to another level. So, um, yeah, man, I mean, he's probably the best running back in the NFL right now, but looking at him, like, historically, that's going to be a tougher thing because he's probably not going to even get the carries or the attempts to, like, rank up there. But he's he's for his time, he's the best right now, I, I would say. I think that's a really good point, Joel, because, I mean, it used to be that, like, a running back would be, like, your, like, it was the key to the offense, right? I mean, yeah. this was it. It was the bell cow, right? Yeah. It's called the bell yeah. cow of your yeah. offense. Yeah. yeah. Well, and the the 49ers also have an unusual setup in that they also have a fullback, right? Which is yeah. uh, feels like something out of yeah, out of like the 1980s. Yeah. No. I mean, that's. I mean, that's. That, I mean, I think that's sort of the genius of Kyle Shanahan is that like where other people are sort of moving away from this, you know, that tough physical football and spread of people around the field. He's throwing a Tom Rathman out there. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, um, so it is, it, it is pretty cool. And it's good. To, it's good. To, I mean, I'm look, I mean, if, those of us who've watched football for a long time, I mean, there is a charm in a team that can just run the ball on you whenever they want to. And it is committed to the run. And that is one of the great things about Kyle Shanahan is that he's never, he's never lost that. Um, and I think that's a, 
you know, a big part of the reason for its success and also creating space on a field where it's very tight. But that's that's another matter. But in terms of his commitment to the running game, that really speaks to the old soul in me. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree. Uh, we're talking about the 49ers going to Super Bowl 58 this Sunday with Joel Anderson, staff writer at Slate. We host the Slow Burn and Hang Up and Listen podcast. Uh, also joined by Nisa Khan, audience engagement reporter at KQED, resident Swifty here at the station. Also joined by Ann Killian, sports columnist with the San Francisco Chronicle. Taking calls and comments from Niner fans, or I guess we could take a call from a Niners hater. What's the Super Bowl mean to you? Uh, where are you going to watch it? Do you have any superstitions you want to share with us? The number is 866-733-6786. You can go to the social channels, or you can email forum at KQED. Dot org. You know, this is a fundraising period for KQED Public Radio. For more information on how to support KQED, go to kqed.org. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Nisa Khan, um, I know one of the other things that you've been working on is where the best places to watch the game might be. Um, what, what, have you, what do you have on the list there? Right. So if you're in the Bay Area and not making the trek to Vegas, I would really say look ahead for before Sunday. Maybe get your reservation or get a, um, a ticket, even if it's free. Yeah, because people are doing that, right? They're yeah. like ticketing the bar. Yeah, it's it's wild. Some places already are filled up. Um, there's a Faithful House in Bryan Street in San Francisco. It is red and gold, which is kind of hence the name. Um, <laughs> I was told it's going to, that's going to have like a huge outside house party. Um, District 6, I hear, is like a very, very big bar for um, football fans. So those are kind of like the big two. But there's also like the United Irish Culture Center in San Francisco, um, Fluid 510 um, in Oakland. Um, Menlo Park is having a really big outdoor watch party. Party. We have a huge list on kqed.org. Uh, I would say, like, check out all of our Super, Super Bowl stuff, like, just so many bars and so many events happening. Um, I want to give a special shout out to the Church of Eight Wheels Roller Disco because they're having a Super Bowl watch party. Everyone's going to be on skates to Taylor Swift music. <laughs> I think that's like the perfect combination so you can still be a Niners fan. <laughs> oh, oh, man. That's amazing. Yeah. That is amazing. That is, yeah. I feel like that is just meant to be made into a TikTok and dropped into the right wing feet versus <laughs> like, oh, yeah. this is the future liberals want, you know, that's <laughs> it right there. Everybody with a Bud Light in their hand, right? Exactly. Yeah, right, exactly. Oh, my God. That sounds so, I mean, if I could skate, I would do that. Um, <laughs> but, um, that is amazing. Um, we also, uh, another bit of coverage we had, right, is uh, Alan Cesaro wrote uh, things like uh, 49 things yeah. to do before the game, right? Um, any of those stick out to you? Are you going to do any of them? Uh, no, but I was checking out, I d was like, interested in the retrace all of Clint Eastwood's steps around the city while filming Dirty Harry, um, dining at the Canyon Inn in Redwood City. Um, it was a legendary hangout space for the team and from the 80s. So there's a lot of really great spots there. So if you're a diehard fan or if you want to learn more about 49ers history, I would definitely check out his list. Wow. Um, another listener uh, comment, Ramon in Concord writes in to say, I'm a Raiders fan, but I'll still be watching mm -hmm. on Sunday. Both teams are going to be aggressive, so I'm expecting a high-scoring game, maybe in the 30s uh, to maybe late 20s games. Wow. It'll be pretty aggressive. And Shanahan learned from his last mistakes. There's been a buildup all season long. It starts in August through now. So even though my team is out of it, we want to still see who wins. This leads us to the inevitable, the prediction. Um, and Killian, let's start with you. Prediction for the game? Prediction for the game. Yeah, I, I had it in print, um, so I have to stick with it. Yeah, I got to go with my gut, and my gut says Kansas City. 
Um, I, I've felt all along that whoever came out of the AFC was going to have played more difficult opponents. Um, Kansas City is seasoned. This is their fourth Super Bowl. Um, and they have the best quarterback in the game. And Patrick Mahomes, you know, he he you have to wait till there's no time on the clock to know, <laughs> you know how, how it's going to turn out because he can kill you in the late in the fourth quarter. And I just I I have some questions about the way the 49ers looked in their run up to, uh, mm-hmm. to this game against decidedly inferior opponents than the Kansas City Chiefs. So, yeah, I'm I'm uh, I hope I'm wrong. 49er fans can take faith that I'm often wrong in my predictions. <laughs> so, uh, but I, I think the Chiefs are, are going to I think I think the 49ers drought will be extended. Mm. Joel, what do you think? Well, I, I told you, producer Blocker, I, I, so I, I guess I have to stick to it. I haven't published my prediction anywhere, but I'm going <laughs> to stick to it so I don't seem like a hypocrite. Um, that I, I picked the Chiefs, too, that they were going to win 24 to 17. And I was actually surprised to hear uh, your, your listener from Concord say that he expected a high scoring game because, I mean, the Chiefs, if they didn't have the best defense in the league all year, they had the second best. Um, and so it's going to be very difficult for the 49ers. And Brock Purdy hasn't probably seen a defense of this caliber much this year. And Steve Spagnuolo, the defensive coordinator for the Chiefs, I mean, he made his bones by totally screwing up Tom Brady and the New England Patriots in 2007 when they were the undefeated team, right? So um, I, I think he'll cook up something that that'll probably be a little too difficult for Brock Purdy to decipher, but I still think the 49ers have a chance. They have a decided advantage over the Chiefs on the, um, on the defensive line and the offensive line. So they have an opportunity to exploit that. You can get to Pat Mahomes. Now, he didn't go down easy, but you can get to him. So they have a chance, but I still think experience, yeah. um, like, you know, the, the Chiefs played in the varsity, as is, is, is Ann was kind of basically implying. They played in the <laughs> AFC. So I kind of see them pulling it out in a, in a tight one. Well, I say the 49ers win because I am a homer and I'm going for it. And also because the Raiders beat them uh, right near the end of the season and they weren't looking so good. And I feel like this Chiefs team is no juggernaut. Uh, we've been talking about the 49ers going to Super Bowl 58 this Sunday with Nisa Khan, audience engagement reporter with KQED and resident Swifty. Thank you, Nisa. Thank you so much for having me. Joel Anderson, staff writer at Slate All Round, friend of the show. Thanks so much, Joel. Oh, always a pleasure. And Ann Killian, sports columnist with the San Francisco Chronicle. Good luck surviving Vegas, Ann. Thank you. It's freezing here, too. <laughs> Earlier, we were joined by Paul Nyakatora from KCUR in Kansas City. The 9 o'clock hour forum is produced by Blanca Torres and Grace Wan. Our intern is Emiko Oda, Marlena Jackson Rotondo, Marnette Federis, and Jennifer Ng. Our engagement producer is Francesca Fentes, our digital community producer. Judy Campbell is the lead producer. Danny Bringer and Christopher Beale are our engineers. Our VP of News is Ethan Tobin Lindsay, and our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. We're going to do it for the Bay. I'm a Texas Madrigal. Stay tuned for more right after the break. Funds for the production of KQED's Forum are provided by the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, the Germanicos Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. 
Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.